0: Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So before I get to the main topic of this video, I quickly want to say a thank you to all of my current Patreon supporters, including those of you that have come on in the last week or two, as well as those of you that have been supporting me for a number of months now. I'm incredibly appreciative of that support, and what it tells me is that you value the work that I put into this channel the four or five, six videos that I publish each week, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus minutes along, you value that work. And, and, and I appreciate that very much. So thank you. And and certainly if you don't support me on Patreon, um, first of all, how Patreon works, it's, it's basically a way for you to support different content creators on a monthly basis for as little as a dollar a month. If you don't support me on Patreon yet, right now, um, first of all, I want to say thank you for watching this video. And, and if, you like the content, if you feel compelled to do so, um, subscribing. You know, I don't expect anything more. Um, I, I feel fortunate blessed to have you guys watching this in the first place. But if you do value this content... I would ask that you, that you you check out my Patreon page. You don't have to sign up, but check it out. There's some different perks on there for signing up, including potentially coming on for a, a live stream here on the channel. Um, you get to help direct some content, ask questions. You guys can all ask me questions, but but you help direct some content on on future videos. Hey, I want to see a video on this or on this, and you know, as little as a dollar is a month. You know, that's well, like a candy bar a month. You know, if you count for inflation and the destruction of the U.S. dollar, uh, maybe maybe. Candy bars are more than a dollar, or maybe they've just cut down on the size and, and they sell them for the same price. But, but you get the gist of what I'm saying here. Um, but, but as always, just thank you guys for them the first place, you know, for watching uh, my videos and, and, and you know, comments, commenting, subscribing, all of that. I appreciate it very much. So, getting to the main topic of this video debt, specifically government debt. The U.S. Treasury put out a report, if you want to call it that, you know, earlier this week in which they revised the amount of debt that they expect they'll need to bring to the market uh, in this quarter, uh, this quarter being July through September. Um, Basically, what they're saying is that they need to take out a larger loan, I guess, if you want to simplify it. They're going to need to issue more debt, issue more bonds and, and treasury bills, um, in order to to meet their obligations on government spending, as well as their ongoing interest payments on their current massive, you know, 20 was a twenty one trillion dollar uh, pile of, of debt. Now, why is this important? I mean, obviously, debt is it's become the norm have higher and higher debt at the government level. But, but this time around with this revision, um, you know, one, one of the things is that the treasury announced that they would be issuing a, a new type of, of bond or bill, whatever you want to call it a two month one, um, two month maturation, as opposed to one year or one month or whatever. Um, the other thing is that they said that they would be basically issuing a larger amount of longer term bonds, you know, five year, 10 year, one year, three year, whatever. Um, in in the billions of dollars range more of these different lengths of bonds you can find all these specific details as to how much but the markets reacted to this they reacted to this um, increase in how much the, the government is going to be you know how much debt they're going to be selling basically and and yields went up now this type of of behavior out of the government, asking for 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 larger and larger loans bringing more and more bonds to the market this has been the norm for a while now right debt has has increased exponentially over the last you know 20 ish years you know bush uh the second doubled the national debt essentially um obama you know essentially maybe not quite but essentially doubled the the sovereign debt in his eight years Uh, it's an exponential increase and so this is the norm in, in some sense but you know, what's interesting is that with this revision, yields went up. And that's what you'd expect in a supply and demand market. If you're going to increase the supply, you'd expect, well, the price to go down. All else being equal, the price will go down and yields go up, interest rates go up. Now, why is that important? This second half of 2018, the U S government is going to take out the most debt that they have in, in a half of a year. Um, since the the financial crisis and, and, you know, the years, you know, shortly afterwards after that, you know, obviously during the financial crisis, the government went on a spending spree, um, you know, bailing out banks and, and other financial stimulus, as well as, you know, they just didn't take in as much in, in terms of, of revenue, in terms of taxes, because the economy was, was not doing well. Well, here we are now, we just got the, the quarter two GDP figure. It came, it printed at 4.1%. And you guys know I'm skeptical of those government numbers, but 4.1%. And yet, they're asking for more and more uh, loans, right? They're issuing more and more debt. Um, it's it's ridiculous. and And what it tells me is that two things, government spending is out of control, and the economy is not what it appears to be. And so long term, where this is heading, interest rates are going to rise for the US government. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, they're going to pay more and more interest on their current pile of debt. So as you see them asking for more and more loans, as they they issue more and more bonds, well, they're going to have to issue an even more, an even larger amount of bonds in the future to pay interest on those uh, current bonds. You know, right now yields on the 10 years around 3%. The the yield curve is relatively flat. So, you know, most of it between two and, and, you know, 3.5% that they're paying on this debt. But when you're talking about 21 trillion dollars worth of debt that's a massive amount of interest okay um that's <sighs> yields are going to have to continue to rise right all else being equal now will that be the case not necessarily i don't think i'll get to that here in a second but the the other major repercussion of this is that you know with yields rising well <sighs> government bonds have a pretty strong correlation with interest rates across the board. Um, you know, for instance, the U.S. ten-year. I would I would put in the league of you know. There's three major determinants right now in the U.S. economy that I would consider major determinants of interest rates, for for uh, you know some extent credit cards, but also student loans, uh, mortgages, uh, car loans, all of that. Um, U.S. government interest rates or the yields on U.S. government bonds. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the Fed funds rate, which has been increasing. And number three, uh, LIBOR, you know, London Interbank um, Overnight Rate or, or, or something like that. Uh, it's this, it's this uh, interest rate that is uh, kind of graded overnight or each day um, over in London. And, and it's a big determinant of interest rates worldwide. There's a massive amount of interest rates that depend on LIBOR. All of those have been increasing. And so what happens when you have an economy like the US's economy that is saturated in debt at the corporate, at the consumer, and of course, at the sovereign level, and you have rising interest rates, it stifles economic growth, and eventually leads to a crisis so that's where we're heading right now. As these interest rates continue to rise at all these different levels, uh, it's putting a downward pressure on our economy because we have so much debt. Sure, there's going to be some people that a slight benefit from this. So for instance, pension funds, they have a decent amount of bonds and, and they're going to be able to get a higher yield on those bonds, even though the price of those bonds has has decreased. They're going to be able to get a higher yield. Certainly not what they need, Right, not what they've had in the past, but a slight benefit from that. But what about the corporations that they hold a, a ton of stock in? Well, they're going to have a higher interest rate on their bonds or on their debt. Right, consumers a higher interest rate on on mortgages. Right, what is that going to do to the, to the to the housing market? Uh, student loans, a uh, mass amount of student loans, and, and student loans you know go up by you know have been going up by a a, a non-insignificant amount of of you know interest rate uh points for the last couple of years now. Um that's gonna put a, a larger stress on, on on uh students and former students. There's some real life repercussions now to this. Now what's the end game here? Is this going to lead to a huge blowout eventually in interest rates and a total collapse of the US and and you know ultimately global economy? Not quite. Not quite because you know, All else being equal, will more and more supply come to the market in terms of, of debt? Prices are going to go down, yields are going to go up, the economy is going to crash. However, there is that entity that can always intervene and increase demand for bonds. Who am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve can monetize that debt and eventually... Mark my words, they will need to monetize that debt. See, what they're doing right now, why this is so dangerous for the government to do, and why this is such a threat to the global economy, the U.S. government is issuing more and more bonds right now, increasing the supply. Simultaneously, the Federal Reserve is decreasing their demand. They're unwinding their current balance sheet at a pretty fast pace. Um now, now that in and of itself is gonna remove liquidity and support for the current asset prices in the stock market, real estate market, et cetera, bond prices. Um but but ultimately it's going to to they're on a collision course. Those two policies are not compatible. One or the other has to change their course. Is the government going to get rid of their debt? Are they gonna cut back on spending? Are they going to become fiscally responsible overnight? No, that is not what's going to happen. The only other alternative is for the Federal Reserve to stop with their current balance sheet unwind, stop their quantitative tightening, and become a net buyer again. Start the printing presses again. Now, what's going to be the catalyst for that? Um, It it could be an interest rate-induced crisis. That certainly could happen. More and more, I'm thinking that Yes, that's happening right now. And, and that is going to happen down the line, that crisis. More and more, I think that they're looking for a scapegoat. They don't want another housing crisis to be or or, or a, a some other type of interest rate induced crisis to be the um, cause for the next recession and for the next easing cycle for, for the Federal Reserve. No, I think instead they're going to look to something else. Now, this could be a war. It could be a war between the U.S. and Iran. Um, it could be uh, China's economy really declining significantly and their stock market declining. It could be Europe's economy or it could be the trade war. I mean, the trade war continues to escalate. It's going to cause a lot of damage to, to the global economy and, and slow economic growth globally. I, any of these things, and, and yes, it could just be a crisis induced by higher interest rates, but any of those things could potentially lead to the next crisis and lead to the Fed becoming a net buyer again. Now, why is this important? When the Fed becomes a net buyer of bonds, when they do quantitative easing, where do they get that money from? Where does the Fed get their money? Well, the Federal Reserve obviously has the power to print money, create money out of thin air. That's a whole topic for a whole other video and, and how wrong that is but they have that power and so with that power they're going to print money people call it other things but it is printing money they're creating money out of nowhere they're going to be buying these bonds as well as likely other assets um mortgage-backed securities who knows they could buy stocks next time around it's not unheard of for central banks to do that swiss national bank does it the bank of japan does it at a, a, a massive scale their bond purchases over in Japan are on a massive scale as well, and and speaking of Japan, that's where things are heading. You know, Japan recently talked about this in a recent video. Prior to to some recent uh, announcements by by their uh, chairman of of the Bank of Japan, you know, they made the they made the headlines. The Bank of Japan because they had to intervene in their bond market because their interest rates were getting too high. Do um, you want to guess what the point of pain was? I think it was their 10-year yield, 10-year bond for Jap- uh, for for Japanese debt. Um, that 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 pain point where interest rates are too high and they needed to intervene, buy bonds to drive down yields and drive up prices. Do you want to guess what it was? Five percent, four percent, three percent? You know, right around where U.S. Treasuries are. Try 0.11 percent. 0.11 percent. That's where they had to intervene. That is ridiculous i mean that makes look the fed look like that, that the the uh most hawkish central bank in the history of, of monetary policy that's got to be monetary policy i don't know purgatory or something like that for for the bank of japan i mean how does that continue on indefinitely where they have almost complete control of the bond market in increasing control of the stock market it's no longer a bond market it's not a market at that point right? And, and many would argue that the same thing has already happened in the US stock markets and bond markets. Well, you know, if it's not there yet, it's heading in that direction. Now, the Fed can buy this stuff indefinitely. They can create money out of thin air, drive down interest rates and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But the end game for that is going to be a destruction of the US dollar. Mark my words, a destruction of the US dollar um, at, a, at a more rapid pace than we have seen in the end ever in terms of us dollar weakness you know the, the the first step is going to be getting to levels of of 1970s um inflation you know inflation is already a lot higher than what they claim it to be but but it's going to get much much worse um the next step is going to be hyperinflation governments going to take out more and more debt the the feds going to have to buy more and more bonds and it's going to be a a deadly cycle now when does all of this start um things are accelerating you know, I've already said you know this is a collision course. The Fed um, unwinding their balance sheet and the government taking on more and more debt. This They're on a collision course. And I've already said multiple times, and I'll double down on this prediction once again, that by the end of the year, um, the Fed is going to scream uncle, right? They're going to change their monetary policy. They're going to begin easing. Now, does this mean full-blown QE by the end of 2018? Probably not. Not quite that soon. But... Slowing down their quantitative tightening program, or or putting the brakes on, on on future rate hikes, yeah, I think that's very much a possibility, a likelihood. I could be wrong, and and it could be first half 2019, but but they're on a collision course. The Fed and the U.S. government are in a collision course. The U.S. economy and rising rates are in a collision course. Uh, this won't end well. But of course, as I said. You know, sure, we're going to have a crisis, maybe short term, because of whatever reason. Um, long term, the the crisis is not going to be deflationary. It's not going to be deleveraging. It's not going to be because there's there's um all this debt that's being defaulted on. Even a, even the government, uh, the U.S. government, defaulted on their debt. I don't think that's long term going to be the crisis. The crisis is going to be hyperinflation because of of the Federal Reserve as well as people just turning away from the U.S. dollar because they realize that. The Fed is creating way too many dollars and the U.S. government is taking on way too much debt that at some point that debt becomes, uh, the, the, the dollar becomes more and more irrelevant. That's where we're heading. And, and, and the big asset that's going to win out in that situation is going to be hard assets, assets that have survived time and time again through those types of periods of inflation, hyperinflation. I'm talking about, well, you guys already know, silver and gold. That's the big ones. I mean, sure, there's other physical assets as well. You know, real estate, which by the way, right now is pretty overvalued. Um, you know, other commodities, but silver and gold, you know, for the average investor make the most sense. Physical silver and gold. So I hope this video has been educational. I hope you've enjoyed this. Again, um, if you if you do drive real value from this, check out my Patreon page. You don't have to sign up, but check it out. Um, but But as always thank you guys for watching. Thank you for tuning in for another episode here on the Silver Fortune channel. Uh, I I continue to feel incredibly blessed to have this type of support, this type of of community and an audience. So, So thank you guys. Cannot thank you enough. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.